thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the living legend, the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi, Marcus, Marcus. So good. You're a living legend. Remember that. Oh, living. I'm still alive. It's good. Now, Damo, it's a very happy 2014 to you, and this is our very first podcast where we can actually say that this podcast, 100 Not Out, is proudly brought to you by our upcoming 100 Not Out Greek Island Longevity Tour to Akedia on the Greek Islands in June this year. Very exciting. So exciting. I'm pumped. I am pumped. It's one of the top three places in the world to go if you want to learn about how to live well, age well. It's, uh, it is. It's one of those. It's one of the official blue zones. If you know about Dan Bootner's blue zones, it's one of the official blue zones. We'll be going there in June this year. For more information, go to www.100notout.com.au. But Damo, let's start off with the big stuff because oh. when we want to talk the big stuff, we want to get someone like Cindy O'Meara. We on. want the big reason, names. Big we names. We want the big names. Here. Big and names. so this is why we're going to get Cindy on today, because Damo, for all the episodes we've done on 100 Not Out, we are yet to really get stuck into cholesterol. We'll get stuck into Yeah, we want to get stuck is, into this one. Yeah. If, there's a, if, there's a, if there's a, what what the medical um, field would call a condition, but if there's a disease, let's call it, which uh, goes hand in hand with aging in today's sick culture, the condition titled high cholesterol would be right beside it. And alongside its good friend, blood pressure, cholesterol and blood pressure dominate the medication intake for people as they age. Mm. And there are 10 million Aussies with either high cholesterol or high blood pressure, and there's 175 million of them in the States, which are pretty disgusting numbers in itself. But for Big Pharma, those numbers can mean big paydays, and for more and more <laughs> questions remain, where's the number of people on medications, namely statins, and the question is, are they really the answer to people's high cholesterol problems? Mm. To join us in this discussion and to provide some insightful solutions to this lifestyle and medical mess so many people find themselves in, let's go and speak with one of the wellness couch angels let's shoot up to the sunshine coast join the author of the best-selling changing habits changing lives nutritionist and up for a chat co-host it is the one and only cindy omira cindy thank you so much for joining us oh you're very welcome it's just wonderful chatting to you guys all the time and especially on an issue uh, such as this Cindy, it's a biggie, isn't it? It's such a big issue. Ever since breaking news late in 2013, where all of a sudden research has started to come out, and we could be a little bit cynicistic about it. We could probably talk about all the conspiracy theories that that are tied into the breaking of patents or the running out of patents and all those sorts of things. But really, there's a big issue around cholesterol, a lot of misconception, a lot of misperception, and a lot of uh, poor communication that, result, that revolves around this whole issue of cholesterol. And I thought that, and so did Marcus, we both thought that if we get one of our most favouritest women in the whole world to come and talk to us about uh, this cholesterol issue and how we get it, what we do about it, uh, what it actually really means, then we'd be uh, well on the track to a healthy 2014. You know, Damien, you and I have been looking at this issue for years now and we've been reading the research and having our own conversations about it and it's, in in my way of thinking, it's wonderful to see what is happening and as far as the fact that the media is bringing it out, there's more and more people talking about it and, like, what I'm watching is the 
the big companies and the medical profession, which I'm really surprised about because there's a lot of... I still think... I'll keep their market share, I think is prompting people to really question the drug. And I like to liken this drug to the movie The Music Man, uh, which is a very old movie where um, this person comes into town and shows the town that there is a problem in town and that they need a music man. And so he creates the problem and then he gives them the solution. And I think the same thing has happened with this whole cholesterol thing is that the problem has been created and then they've given us the solution, which is now proving to be one of the worst solutions um, that has probably happened in the history of medicine after thalidomide, I believe. Well, that's what we're finding, isn't it? And uh, we're definitely finding out that whilst you might have a couple of little side effects that might be... Um, pain in the leg or pain in the in, in aches and pains in your muscles the problem is so much deeper than just a couple of little aches and pains and um, we're, we're referring here to statin drugs and now there's a lot of people in the media and in the medical profession that will swear black and blue that statin drugs have saved many many people's millions of people's lives by going and, and reducing people's cholesterol and they reckon that it's decreased um, the, the rate of heart disease and um, and stroke and all these sorts of things, but we're not really seeing that in the research, are we, Cindy? No, we're not even seeing it um, when you have a look at the statistics with heart disease. No. You know, heart disease was seen um, as, as a problem around the 1950s, and that's when all the Heart Foundation started. And that was also the beginning of the low-fat revolution was kind of starting there where exactly. they were saying animal fats were bad, you know, the yep. prudent diet came in and animal fats were bad and vegetable fats were better. So it was the beginning of margarine, margarine. taking over its market share. That's with a swear word. Oh, a swear yeah, word. It's <laughs> G-rated, G-rated this one, Cindy. Oh, gosh. Hey, you guys, you guys, yeah, sorry, Cindy, go on. And, you know, this is where, you know, it all started was was at this point. And if you have a look at back in the 1950s when all of this started to now, it's we're worse. We're far worse than we were back in the 50s. So there's obviously been some really bad information given, um, some bad guidelines um, that are given, and, and people are, are getting wind of it. Wind of it. So yeah. now, it's Cindy, good to I see know changes. I know you and Damien would know this like the back of your hand, but for people that are listening going, well, how did it all come about? I know the name Ansel Keys is going to come up, but can you tell people about the Ansel Keys study so that people can perhaps, maybe even people that are doubting the whole cholesterol issue at the moment, people that are going, well, you know, is it really that bad? Well, maybe you can explain to people how we really got into this mess. Well, I, I think there were two key people and definitely Ansel Keys was one key person who um, was a gentleman who was not really a scientist as far as um, a chemical scientist. He was a, you know, he did anthropological, not sorry, um, he did epidemiological studies. So he had a theory and the theory was that fat caused heart disease. And so he went and did epidemiological studies um, where he looked at study countries and populations and what they ate and figured out that um, what they ate caused heart disease but he did a study where there were 21 countries and he, and then what he did was he cherry-picked seven of them because only seven of them actually proved his theory that fat caused heart disease and he took it to the American Heart Foundation and at first they laughed him out 
um, because there was just a, there was a, I don't want to go into the whole study thing, but they laughed him out. But then the next time he came in, all guns blazing, and they actually started to take note of him and they, they decided, well, you know, he must know what he's saying. Let's go on this research um, and start a low-fat regime for people that should decrease heart disease. And we blindly followed this ridiculous 1960s study as opposed to from 1970 onward, all the studies, even the Framingham study, does not conclusively prove this at all. And for some reason, it's just taken hold and it's become a meme. You know, one person told one person and then they told two people and they told four and so on and so on until now everybody believes this ridiculous meme um, that, that is actually not the truth. Uh, it's like Chinese whispers. It's become that way, hasn't it? There's such a Chinese whisper out there. It's interesting. Um, you know, I've got a very, very close friend. And look, whilst cholesterol may be related to heart disease it's not the it's not the only thing it's not the only thing there's a whole lot of other things that can actually cause heart disease heart attack all these sorts of things and certainly it's not a deficiency in statin drugs that actually causes a rise in cholesterol in the first place right so my thing is that i've got a mate who at the age of 40 was riding up a hill um, very, very fit guy, incredibly excellent cyclist. Diet, not terrible, not too bad, not terribly inflammatory. A chiropractor, so well adjusted. Nervous system working beautifully. Not a lot of stress in his life at all. And uh, and he's having a heart attack while he's riding up a hill. And uh, so he rocks on down to the uh, to the cardiologist. They whack a stent in his heart. Uh, he gets his life saved. Um, and they say it's it's because of your cholesterol but they did a cholesterol profile and his cholesterol was like four or something and they've always said that it's supposed to be you know below five and so now they then changed the goalpost and said well it's now supposed to be below three and uh they went on to say that he needed to be on you know cardiovascular medication known as statins for the rest of his life as well as probably some anticoagulants and uh and it was this whole thing that just because he'd had um, a heart attack, regardless of whatever the cause was, they said, well, it's because of your cholesterol, you've got to decrease it even lower than what it already was. And it just seemed to me to be nonsensical and certainly not backed up by evidence base. And you know what? It, 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 cholesterol is a marker. Um, there's no doubt about it. And But is the marker solely for heart disease? And when you really look at it, cholesterol is the policeman. It's the one that goes there after the fact. So then what's the, the, the thing that is causing the policeman to go there? And that, and that, as we all know, is an inflammatory response. And what's causing that inflammatory response? We've looked at Ansel Keys and his whole, um, I guess, role in the cholesterol debate. And the other person is Norman Borlaug. And Norman Borlaug, uh, his role in the whole heart disease rate is, has also has to be looked at. And Norman Borlaug is the person who, gene not genetically, but hybridised the wheat grain so that it had a higher yield, it had more gluten, it was a dwarf variety. And that is now being produced all over the world. And we're now realising that this new strain of wheat, along with genetic modification of foods, is causing more um, problems and more problems with sugar levels, which then cause problems with triglycerides that then, you know, go across to the cholesterol and the LDL and the HDLs. And we can't just look at one thing. We can't just say, oh, cholesterol's a problem. If you go on these statin drugs, you'll be fine. It never is one thing. There's no one bullet wonder. It's, um, it's many things. And I look at Norman Borlaug and I look at Ansel Keys as two key players. But I don't think that they did this 
in, you know, they didn't do this to hurt people. No, it's not they intentional, not at all. Yeah, they believed in what they were doing. They really believed in their theories and they believed that they were saving the world and helping people. And yeah. what's happened is that opportunistic drug companies have come along and seen this and, and gone, wow, we can, we can do things here. And, and these are, there are individuals that work within these corporations that I don't think know what the big picture is. And it's corporations that are the issue, but individuals that are kind of working in isolation that create this corporation problem. And when people understand the importance of cholesterol and how it's important for cognition, you know, there's a new book out, and I think it's been out about six or eight weeks, and it's called Grain Brain by Dr. Perlmutter. I heard about He's it just today. I heard about it today. I hadn't heard about brilliant. it before. Yeah. I, like, I got it the minute it came out. And he's actually talking about when you have low LDL, now that's the bad, so-called bad cholesterol, whereas to me there there is no such thing as bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is cholesterol. It's needed in the body for many things. But low LDL is what they're trying to do with the statin drugs. They're trying to reduce your LDL. But he's shown that everybody with LDL markers that are low have low cognition in the brain and they continue to get a less and less cognition till the point of dementia and Alzheimer's. So he's actually showing that what we call bad cholesterol is actually very important for cognition and very important for the prevention of dementia and Alzheimer's. So this whole, you know, while we're getting your cholesterol down, we're, we're screwing with your brain. Well, that's it. People aren't recognising the links between their so-called um, high cholesterol or their, their LDL and then their even their blood pressure, which they can't feel either one, but they're not recognizing that they're really, you know, they're actually really good warning signs of what could be even bigger, which is something like dementia. They're not actually recognizing it for what it is, which is a great insight to something even far more threatening to their life than something like dementia. I agreed. And, you know, if you have no other markers but high cholesterol and low LDL and there's no other markers there, then you really have to consider why he's taking statin drugs. And I was listening to Dr. Kate Shanahan, who I think is, is one of the forefront leaders in um, cholesterol, and she was basically saying, if you're a female, do not be on statin drugs. There's been no proof that it has reduced your risk of heart disease. In actual fact, it increases your risk of dementia and, and Alzheimer's and lower cognition. So... Uh, you know, and even um, I, who was I reading just recently? Dr. Karen Phelps, our, our local medical doctor here in, in Sydney, who was head of the AMA, the Australian Medical Association, she says exactly the same thing. If you're a female, get off them. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I just, I, just I love, love her too. Her. I love it a bit. So I think she's done a great yeah. job. She's done a great she, job. She is. And because you know what? They're looking beyond their practice and they're looking. Uh, at research and they're taking the time out of their practice and many of our medical doctors are very very busy and they're not taking the time out to listen to anybody but their drug reps which are just salespeople who are given information to tell them what they should hear in order to use a certain drug and because they think diet doesn't work and it doesn't the nutritional guidelines that are today which is the low fat high carbohydrate diet doesn't work so they see a diet that's advised by the Heart Foundation and by the uh, Australian Dietary Guidelines. They go, well, it's not working. What, what is going to work? We're going to have to give you this drug. Yeah. But step outside the Dietary Guidelines of the Heart Foundation 
and have a look at what other people are such as Perlmutter, high fat, low carb. I just just love Perlmutter. He's yeah, and you know he's basically saying do the exact opposite because what our guidelines are doing is not working. And so I feel sorry a lot for these medical doctors who actually are, seeing, are not seeing results with diet because of these guidelines. And so they just put them on statins, believing that's all that's possible for them. And they have to stay on them for the rest of their lives. That's so true. It's so true. And it's, you raise such a great point there. But you know, the other thing I, I find fascinating too, uh, Cindy, is that there is this evolution. We are understanding more and more about food and nutrition and diet every single day. Um, but it appears that dogma has got the better of the community and the you know to the extent that many people just follow it because that's what's been done for decades and decades and that's the way you're supposed to eat and anything that's outside of that's considered to be fringe or you know alternative and it's the alternative that gets us into trouble and so there's this sort of um, brain dumbing down of the population in, in, in telling people not to consider nutrition, not to consider alternatives because the drugs are the answer. And so that does concern me. What are the things? Like, there um, are people out there, Cindy. Damien, What's that? Sorry. Well said. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, there, there's people out there and they're very confused. I know they're very confused. I'm speaking to them. I've been taking their calls on radio on Triple M in Melbourne. Um, they're confused about this cholesterol thing. They thought it was the thing that was killing them. Um, you know, we do need to be a little bit aware of our cholesterol, but not so aware of our cholesterol. But what are the, the key things that people are doing wrong? You know, let's try and get specific here, Cindy, because both you and I talk about the food pyramid and talk about how bad the food pyramid is. But can you give us some specific examples of what people are doing on a daily basis that's, you know, most probably contributing to health issues beyond just cholesterol, because cholesterol is just one thing. But what are oh, the other yeah. things that they're doing wrong? And, and cholesterol is the marker, and cholesterol is the marker for inflammation, cholesterol is the marker for a copper and iron deficiency, as yes. well as um, an injury. So there's lots of reasons cholesterol could be high. So let's right. look at how do we decrease inflammation, how do we increase our copper and iron, how do we heal ourselves? And, you know, the nutritional guidelines are that you should have breakfast cereals with skim milk, uh, bread with margarine, Vegemite. You know, that would be the typical Australian breakfast. And then lunch would be a sandwich and then dinner, pasta and um, a few veggies and tomato. Make sure you put your tomato paste in there and <laughs> on occasion have red meat. And so this is these are the guidelines that are given to us by the Heart Foundation as well as the nutritional um, guidelines in Australia and across the Western world. Yes. And... If we look at what they're doing to our, our, us on a regular basis, is that let's say you eat that type of way day in, day out. What it's actually doing to your, your blood sugar, number one, is it's raising your blood sugar, uh, which in turn causes the insulin to increase, which then plummets your blood sugar. And evolutionary in evolutionary terms, the body sees that as the summer of the hunter-gatherer. So that's what would have happened in the summer. We had a lot of sweet foods, a lot of carbs because that was available to us. And that was a time preparation for the winter. So our body would lay down fat and we'd be get fatter and fatter and fatter. And usually around the five kilo mark was how much weight we would put on. But because these foods are available to us 12 months of the year, 
our body always thinks it's in summer and it continues to put the weight on until you get to a point where you put so much fat on that you've now lost the ability to listen to the body's hormone leptin, which then tells you that um, you've had enough, don't eat any more. So we have to look at this as an evolutionary perspective and, and what would have happened after we had these high carbs and, and, and these sweet foods. We would have had a spring, an autumn and a winter where the foods would have changed and those foods would have changed into either high fat, low fat. It, it just depended on, on that time of year. So when I look at things, I look at I think we should be eating seasonally and locally, number one. And I think we also should be considering, well, what foods did we eat on an evolutionary basis as opposed to what we're eating today? Did we eat margarine? Did we eat Vegemite? Was our bread made of 15,000 ingredients? Um, (laughs) And was our breakfast cereal, did we have breakfast cereals that were packaged and had iron that I can take out with a magnet? Or did it have a preservative in it that would have reduced the bacteria in our bowel? So we, I want people to really think um, logically and critically and in common sense terms and ask, did we evolve to eat these types of foods that the Nutritional Foundation and um, Heart Foundation are telling us to eat? And they will say, no, we didn't. You know, we ate meat we we would have eaten some grain because grain was available for thousands of years but what type of grain did we eat did we eat this new hybridized grain or did we eat the old fashioned einkorns and emma wheats and um quinoas and amaranths and you know whatever was available to us mm. and when of we course. start to do this we realize that most packaged foods is a waste of time and we probably need to consider not eating those and and so the foods that we would have eaten probably were we, w- we would have raided a, a nest for some eggs. Uh, right. We may have hunted down an animal. And if it was winter, that animal would have been very lean in meat, in fat. Mm. But if it was the summer, it would have been high in fat. You know, so, all right, so we'll have pigs sometimes and we'll have uh, other meats other times. Um, there would have been some greens available to us, fruit in the summer but less in the winter. Yep. Uh, herbs would have been available to us, root vegetables. So when we, we start to look at these types of, of um, foods that were available to our evolutionary body, then we start to heal our body because these are the foods that weren't so inflammatory to the body and the body could use and knew how to do it. Um, that's right. And that's what I ask people to consider. You know, did we eat these foods even 50 years ago? And we didn't. Damo, Cindy, we're going to run out of time on this edition of 100 Not Out, but we'll do a follow-up episode with Cindy next week. Remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways, but the best is to go to our website at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. Remember, if you've liked this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com. Become a member for free where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including that great show, Up for a Chat. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.